Hello and welcome, Great Nation, to a new episode of the Success Great Podcast. My guest today, Raj Subramayer. He's a tech career strategist focusing on helping people to land their dream job and become successful leaders. He is passionate about guiding professionals to maximize their opportunities and discover their zone of genius. He has given multiple TEDx talk and sought after speaker at various events, and he has been featured in numerous media outlets. Raj, welcome to the grid. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Awesome, awesome. Me too. I'm super excited about that. So, Raj, uh, you're about career, you're about development, you're about leadership. Tell us a little bit about yourself first so the listeners can know who you are. Sure. So, I'm a tech career strategist. So, I help people specifically in the tech space to find their dream job and become successful leaders. I've been in the tech space for over 15 years now and running on 16. And uh, yeah, I've helped over 50 plus clients and this is what I do. I help people figure out their careers and a byproduct of that is it gets into the personal life and help them. I help them become more mindful, become more productive. Mm -hmm. So that's what I do. Mm -hmm. I also speak at a lot of conferences and private events. Just before we started the podcast, I was telling you that I just finished my second TEDx talk as well. So mm. that's something I love to do. And finally, I do a lot of writing. I write for a lot of large publications, uh, tech publications. And yeah, so that's what I do. I live in Chicago and I've uh, been doing this for three and a half years now. Awesome, awesome. So you're basically into career development. But let me ask you first the dis- distinction between career and let's say entrepreneurs or business owners. What is to you the difference between these both? That's a great question. So I think I should start with the commonalities first before talking about differences. The commonalities between people who are looking to advance in their careers and people who want to become entrepreneurs are both need mindset and consistency. You need to shift your mindset to a positive frame of mind because um, if you still are in your negative frame of mind frame of mind then you cannot make the leap you cannot take the next step right so you need to have Mm. the mindset and you need to have consistency so once you figure out what you want to do in your career or as an entrepreneur you need to do the work that's where a lot of people are lacking because they have these amazing ideas and stuff but they don't do the work there's too much talky talky but less (laughs) doing the work right so (laughs) you need to be consistent in doing the work. So mindset, consistency, and one more commonality would be believing in delayed gratification. So what do I mean by that? Mm. We live in this uh, digital world. Um, yeah, especially, we, especially lately in the, the, this couple of years, I think it accelerated even more. Oh, 100%. And you, we see this all, we see the social media influencers on Instagram, and then they have this uh, pictures next to their Ferraris, next to their big, you know, uh, houses, and then everyone wants to be that person. But no one knows the backstory. It probably took 15 years for that person to get to where they were, or they're just faking it to to preserve the social media presence they have, right? So we don't know the real story. So everyone wants results immediately. No one believes in doing the work, taking small, small steps, having small, small wins, and then getting that huge result, right? And I think... Whether you want to advance in your career or you're an entrepreneur, you need to be patient. You need to do those small, small steps. Don't look for the 
easy wins look for the long term vision look for the long term wins mm-hmm. so that's the commonalities but your coming back to your original question of what's the difference mm-hmm. i think entrepreneurs uh for some reason they most of them are ready to take risks and they're more open minded so for example covid hit the entire world in 2020 and entrepreneurs were forced to you know rethink their business strategy because a lot of people had in person businesses and then all of a sudden in a day things change exactly. so you were forced to pivot and that's part of being an entrepreneur where there are going to be a lot of curveballs and you need to pivot and shift your strategy continuously that's the life of being an entrepreneur right yeah if you're looking for career advancement once you get a job yeah you probably to a certain extent you know you forget about taking risks and you start getting comfortable in your cushy it is it is it is very comfortable after like three months six months it becomes a complete routine you, you, exactly. you, you could work while you are blind so so i think entrepreneurs are more of the risk takers and they're more open minded to pivot i'm not saying all entrepreneurs but most of them at least i met including myself we had to and probably yourself as well we had okay. to pivot um based on the times and people who have uh, nine to five jobs working for someone they're still not yet there but i think things slowly things are shifting because covid not only hit entrepreneurs it hit the entire world so yeah. everyone had time to retrospect them do some retrospection to see whether they are the right job whether they need to start a side hustle whether they have to start a business so it actually forced a lot of people to think out of the box so i would say that's a big difference it's just risk taking and being open minded yeah yeah covid especially these two years uh, that compressed or compressed people to decompress i think so exactly yeah uh, because even uh, like you mentioned some business owners whether it's restaurants whatever it is even mechanics even uh, cars uh, accessories places or these some places <laughs> were closed because of that so these people did not know how to adapt in this situation so but some of them maybe i believe started to pivot and found new ways to do online selling and these kind of things but what do you think from your perspective is the uh ways to be a rockstar for example in a in a in a business or even of course at uh, the place work you you do your job so uh, could you repeat that question again where can uh, anyone be a rockstar for example to be the person that takes the place take the initiative and move on into a, let's say the ladder of the corporate so how can people move up in their corporate ladder and then take that initiative that's what you're saying right yeah and be Now, the, the, the obvious one to 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 take uh, leadership in the business especially when you start off new you know oh yeah 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 so i think it first boils down to having a clear strategy this is a thing and i say this quite often i believe our lives are like a gps system say for example using google maps it, without putting the destination address you cannot expect to reach a particular destination <laughs> and then you cannot complain google maps is not working properly and our lives are the same way our careers are the same way if you don't have a at least a decent strategy or a vision on where you want to be 
then all the time, effort, and the work you put in is a waste because mm-hmm. you don't know why you're doing what you're doing. So getting clarity, I think, is the number one thing for you to start advancing either in your career or as an entrepreneur, right? And there's a simple exercise actually to do that. And mm-hmm. uh, for your viewers and listeners, I could, they could even quickly do this. So just take a paper and pen, okay? This is called the mind dump exercise. Put a vertical line through the middle of the paper. On the left column, write on all the things you hate to do and you don't want to do. And on the right column, write down all the things you love to do or you want to do in life. And do this in an uninterrupted manner for about 30 minutes to an hour. No Facebooking, no text messaging. Just focus. Hopefully hopefully it happened when when Facebook went down. uh... I know. Hopefully it happened when Facebook (laughs) went down, right? But the, the thing is, all the things you want to do in life is actually locked in your mind. You just have to unravel it one by one and put it visually on paper. When you see things visually, you can start finding patterns. So say, for example, you did this exercise and then you're finding different patterns where you love collaboration, you love communication, you love creativity, you hate micromanaging, being micromanaged, you hate processes, um, you love working with people, then that is going to tell you something about where you want to be. You probably want a job. You want to do something that reflects these characters, these trends. Mm -hmm. So based on that, you may find four to five things you want to do in life based on the things you love to do, you want to do. Then pick the top three things you think you'll be good at and then start experimenting with it one by one. Take the first item from the list which you've identified. Try that for a month or two and analyze how it is going and then pivot if needed and see whether that's what you want to do. If that's not working out, then take the second item. Do that for the next couple of months and then see what happens. And this holds true for careers in normal nine-to-five jobs or being an entrepreneur. People think I magically became a tech career strategist and have been doing this now. In fact, funny story, I started my business doing technical workshops where Mm. I was giving training to help people code, to learn coding and then Mm. how to test software that's how what I, that's how i started right oh, so you started basically with applications on mobile these kind of things yeah yeah so I, I was experimenting to see what i want to do in life right and then after seven eight months i quickly realized that you know what this is not giving me that impact and the passion you know the passion the joy mm-hmm. i wanted then i went back i did some retrospection and thought okay what other strengths i have and after after doing the mind dump exercise, I could find out patterns where people kept telling me that I have a knack for motivating people. I help people in their personal lives and careers. And I used to manage people and they used to tell me, dude, you're an amazing boss and they'd love working with you. You have this mentality to, you know, encourage people to get the, become the best version of themselves. So all these things I could figure out from this exercise. And then I thought, you know what? I should probably start helping people in their careers and see whether that's what I want to do. And now three and a half years down the line, I'm continuing to do it. And that's pretty much what my passion is right now. So to cut a long story short, if you want to advance in your career uh, as a nine to five uh, 
individual contributor at a company or an entrepreneur, have a clear strategy, a clarity on what you want to do, then start experimenting with things. Not everything is going to work in the first instant. Experiment with it. If it doesn't work, then try something else. If that doesn't work, try something else. And that's what life is about. Exactly. So you you spoke about motivation there. Uh, So so we all, like most people, a lot of us, business owners, entrepreneurs, working in 95, whatever it is, sometimes we get... uh, lazy let's say or don't want to do certain things uh, we get bored to do things so <laughs> what do you do you specifically to stay motivated for yourself and like you mentioned others what do you do to help others to stay motivated and inspired also so that's a great question so all entrepreneurs are all people go through the rut that's what i call it where they're constantly working then you hit a roadblock where you don't feel like doing stuff no matter how passionate you are. Mm. So first we have to get down to the basics. So there are two types of motivation. You have what is called intrinsic motivation, which is motivation inside you. Mm. And then you have extrinsic motivation that is motivation outside you, right? Mm. So let's talk about intrinsic motivation. Intrinsic motivation are things within you, which keeps you going, right? It could be your previous experiences being in the same situation, then you start thinking about what you did. And then you start thinking about, okay, why am I doing what I'm doing? Okay, this it's make, it's because I want to make an impact. It's because I want to change people's lives. So you do the self-talk internally to get motivated. That's intrinsic motivation. Mm. Then you have extrinsic motivation, which is external factors, which can motivate you. For me, I have my wife who keep constantly keeps motivating me. She's my uh, accountability partner. Cool, cool, and awesome. <laughs> I would encourage everyone to have a trusted friend or accountability partner who could keep mm. pushing you, right? Mm. And then I have inspirational quotes. I'm a sucker for inspirational quotes. All over my house, there are inspirational quotes. You know, even in my office, there's inspirational quotes. So whenever I feel like not doing the work, a then I look at those, there, there is a reminder. You exactly. There's do, a reminder there yeah. on what I really need to do. And then I start doing stuff. So those are some ways where I keep myself motivated. And in fact, um, I've always, you know, I grew up as a large kid and then I had to lose weight. I lost 50 pounds. And for me, to, for, you. for me, thank you. For me to have a constant reminder of, how much work I've done and where I, where I am today. On the, on the shelves where there are chocolates and chips, I have a picture of me being big. And then I also have another picture of me, you know, being like this. Oh, it's cool. a constant that, motivation. That, so yeah, whenever yeah. I want to reach for the chocolate, I have to see that picture. And then it is going to motivate me, right? So again, these are things which works for me, right? So folks listening, you could try to figure out what is going to help motivate you but definitely having an accountability partner really really helps research yeah. has found that people who have accountability partners have 95 percent more chance of achieving their goals compared to people who do not have any support system so find that support system recognize what your intrinsic motivation is recognize what your extrinsic motivation is and that's how you keep going no, I, I agree totally with you because, uh, like you mentioned, it's amazing the internal and external. The internal you should be controlling of. The external is something sometimes you cannot control. But having accountability is great. 
and because you cannot control outside factors you should not stop uh, doing what you want to do because if you if something outside of your control happens and you say to yourself well i'm not going to do that that happened this happened you're never gonna reach your goal in whatever career or business you're going to do because eventually it's like to me it's like the traffic traffic you cannot control if there is traffic so you need to be patient and st- and not talking all the time this is this is how i think of external things right and also remember the way i'm speaking then people immediately think man this person is perfect he always keeps getting motivated no that's not true <laughs> even i am a work in progress there are times where none of these motivation helps so that's when i go for a run to refresh my brain or just for 3 days don't do anything right take a break take a mental break do to, something to clear which, things uh, out of your head yeah to get all the to blow some steam do something mm. whatever that means to you for me it's working out that's what helps me and then spending time with my family and my kid you know that's what helps me to release steam so you have to figure out what helps you to get out of that rut so mm. again it's very case by case basis but most of the things i'm saying can be applied by anyone and yeah, it's all yeah, about yeah. again the key is again experimentation mm. to see which one actually works for you and once you keep experimenting then you can figure out what actually makes you tick what exactly. makes you get going so speaking of ticking <laughs> how important and why investing in someone's in their selves is very important and essential to achieve their goals because for example if someone like we know nowadays maybe having a bachelor degree for example is like the norm now right but how do you think important it is to go beyond that i'm not talking here maybe talking about master's degrees or these kind of degrees i'm talking about self learning these kind of things I think there's a quote right I think it was by Albert Einstein or uh or Isaac Newton but one of them said if you stop learning then you start dying or something on those lines yeah, kind of, yeah. and and that and that is so true because only when you start learning you can start figuring out different opportunities you can start figuring out what your passions are right and that happens only when you learn and you'll be really surprised so for example i'm a tech guy right and i've been in software development software testing my entire life where i built software or write code to do something with software but through that journey i started investing in myself to become a speaker i you know i wanted to get rid of my fear of public speaking and uh in fact funny story i swiped $3000 of my own credit card when i didn't have money to go to a safari conference because i wanted to get rid of my fear of public speaking and oh. there i saw a lot of speakers speaking and then i got this you know i had this light bulb moment where i realized what better way to get rid of your fear of public speaking than actually it. becoming a speaker yeah. right <laughs> and that happened because i decided to invest in myself and then fast forwarding 10 years down the line i've spoken at 100 plus conferences and i've given two tedx talks that's what investing in yourself can do it can help you identify the opportunities for your next thing it can help you discover new things about yourself it can help you discover your strengths and that's why it's really important to invest in yourself so for example i started off as a software developer a person who writes code to build software and then i moved into 
testing software where you write code to make sure the software works properly. Then I became, I got into manager positions and then I became what is called a developer evangelist, which is speaking at different conferences, representing companies and doing R&D. And then I became an entrepreneur. So then I started writing for different magazines. Then now I'm speaking as well. So all these things would not have happened if I constantly didn't keep investing in myself. So the summary of what I'm trying to say here is don't ever be scared to try out new things. The worst thing that could happen is you may not like it and then that's it, leave it and then go to the next one. Yeah, but yeah, exactly. at least try it for two weeks before you let it go because unless you try it for at least about two weeks, you don't know whether you're good at it. And that's why investing in yourself is so, so important to discover your passion, to figure out new opportunities oh, amazing that's cool so speaking of uh, investing in self and these kind of things and talking so how and in career development for example uh, i believe i think that for example having a good conversation with uh, with colleagues or with the managers above you or below you or whatever people so how do you make a conversation a good one how do you make good conversations yeah. right with people and Maybe also try to build your network, try to grow. So there are a lot of strategies for that. So the first thing first is you always want to do the research. So what do I mean by that? Say, for example, you're working for a manager and you want to have, you know, interesting conversations or you go to a conference or you go to a networking event and you want to talk to someone, but you don't know how to have a meaningful conversation. Just do the research. A person's entire profile is on LinkedIn. Okay. Yeah. So what are you going to do is, even before talking to the person, let's take an example to set some context here. Say people want to connect with me and start off a conversation. I give keynotes and there are like 20, 30 people, you know, trying to come and talk to me, but I don't have time for like 20, 30 people. But if you want to stand out from the crowd and then get more of my time, what you need to do is go to LinkedIn in the search bar, put Raj Subramayer, my full name. Literally, my whole portfolio is going to be on my LinkedIn profile. There I mentioned what my interest areas are, what I worked on, what my passion is. Take some notes, right? So if you open up a conversation related to leadership, motivation, career development, AI, software, right? Those are my trigger, trigger words. So when you actually start a conversation like that, and of course, beer as well. But if you start a conversation like that, then immediately I'm going to start talking to you. So first thing is do the research. Look at the LinkedIn profile, find some things which are interest of interest for the other person. Once you do the research, then again, taking me as an example. So say you meet me or I'm your boss, you're going to come to me and it does not necessarily have to be in a formal way where you schedule a one-on-one -on -one meeting and then talk to the person. Say a person who just, I'm just walking by, you'd say, hey, Raj, how's it going? Right? That's mm -hmm. an easy way to start engaging. And then you, you could say, hey, by the way, I read your article on toxic leadership, which you just published. And these are the three things which resonated with me. And then list out the three things. That's it. You're, you immediately caught my attention. Then I'll talk to you for half an hour to one hour. See how you actually can do the research and then have specific conversations. So I, and then immediately there'll be a group of people who will come and tell me, no, I'm an introverted person. It's easy for you uh, because you know, you're an extrovert. Mm. Fun fact. 
I, I was a shy introverted kid throughout my life. And even now, I'm an ambivert where no, I can talk like for in the middle. In the middle. In so the I can middle, talk for yeah. three days continuously. <laughs> and then for a week, I cannot talk to anyone, right? <laughs> so no matter who you are, what, char- what characteristics define you, it doesn't matter. When you do the research and then give specific pointers, which is of interest to another person, then that conversation can immediately, you know, become a longer conversation. You're going to gauge, you can get the person's interest and attention, and then you could build your network. So that's how you want to strike up conversations. Do the research, have engaging conversations based on the research. Mm, cool. So, and these guys maybe help you build your business or uh, grow your career. So speaking of career, uh, I want to know what do you think or how can someone find the ideal career, let's say? How can someone find your ideal career? So that yeah. again goes back to the basics, right? First, do the mind dump exercise. Mm. Then figure out what your strengths are, what you want to do. Say, for example, again, you're, you like to be creative. You love to build software. You hate being micromanaged. You hate processes. Then... Being a software developer at a startup company is something which is going to align with your strengths because in bigger companies, you tend to have a lot of process, a lot of red tape. But in startup companies, you have to take the initiative and you have more, a more opportunity to be creative, right? Or say, for example, you love collaboration. Uh, you love uh, speaking about products to people. You love... Uh, designing, then maybe being a salesperson or a marketing person is what you want to do. So going to the same exercise, you're going to find four to five career options, which aligns with your strengths. Mm. Take the top three career options. And next thing you want to do is go to your LinkedIn and update your profile to reflect these top three career options that you have with the right keywords. Now, how are you going to find keywords? Look at the existing job descriptions and just take the keywords from there and put that on your LinkedIn profile because everything you put on LinkedIn is SEO information, which is search engine optimization, and it's indexed by Google. So what I mean by that is if recruiters, when recruiters actually look for, say, for example, a software Mm -hmm. developer, they use softwares where they put in keywords like programming, coding, team player, collaboration, Java, programming language names and stuff. If you have those keywords listed on your LinkedIn profile, the software is going to screen your LinkedIn and then show it'll make you show up in the results. That's why it's so important to update your LinkedIn profile based on the jobs you want. Then the next thing is create three types of resumes based on the three kinds of jobs. Because one of the most common mistakes people do is have one single resume and they apply for every freaking job. Yeah, right? exactly. It's the same resume that goes to everyone. Yeah, it, it's, it's like having a marketing resume and then you're trying to apply for a nursing or to be a doctor. It doesn't even make sense. So you have to customize your resumes based on the jobs. Once you do that, then have an Excel sheet where you start tracking each and every job application which you're doing, because say 60 jobs into this, uh, after you apply for say 60 jobs, out of the blue, you're going to get a call from a company and say, they'll say, hey, I want to talk about the software developer job you applied for. You have no clue of what the job is. So, you know, you don't have any relevance or anything to talk about. So if you track all this in an Excel sheet, you could say, oh, give me one minute. Let me go to a quiet space 
But in that one minute, what you are going to do is go to that Excel sheet, see what the job was, and then have more relevant conversation. And then have a goal of how many jobs you want to apply for per week. Say you want want to apply for 50 jobs per week, which is kind of the normal thing you need to do. Then split that into 10 jobs per day. So, okay, Monday, I'm going to do 10 jobs. Tuesday, I'm going to do 10 jobs. And then do it at a particular time. Say every day from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m., I'm going to apply for jobs. If you do this whole thing, then you're strategic about how you can find your ideal career and you're going to be strategic about how to get those jobs as well. Mm, great. That's a great tip, especially like you mentioned also uh, LinkedIn being found, your profile being found on Google, actually, not right. just LinkedIn itself from the companies there. So, yeah. So speaking of uh, resumes a little bit, this, <laughs> how what advice would you give a new graduates uh, whether uh, and how to apply or, for example, on like you mentioned on their CVs? Yeah. So apart from all the strategies which I've mentioned, which applies to college grads as well, talking specifically about resumes, you really want to keep it short within one and a half to two pages, because mm. this is not a thesis. You don't want 10 pages of resumes because this is the thing. Recruiters spend less than 10, 15 seconds screening through the resume. Immediately, your resume should show what your value is. And you should mention all those keywords, which we were just talking about in your resume, right? So have a two-page resume. Clearly tell them what your work objective is. What are you looking for? And then list down your experiences and bullet points. Then if you have... what technical skills, put your technical skills, then any certifications. Uh, if you have a website, put that. And then you can put your education. And yeah, so that, those are the basic things you want to have. But clearly mention what you're looking for. It could The first thing should be a work objective. The section, I like putting work objective because it, it you could say something like recent college grad looking for full-time positions in software development, just graduated with a master's degree in software engineering. If you put that immediately in the first line of your resume, mm -hmm. immediately people know, oh, okay, he recently graduated. He has a master's. You know, it's like your elevator pitch. Mm -hmm. Your quick, usually it's elevator pitches are like one and a half to two mm -hmm. minutes of uh, what your value is. But in resumes, you don't have that much space. So in two lines, Clearly tell them what you're looking for, what your skill sets, and that will force people to look further in your resume. And make sure you have those keywords. And I like having a picture on the resume, just like your LinkedIn. Don't have a resume, don't have your picture with your cat or you know a drink because it's again a professional <laughs> thing. <laughs> so you want to make sure, and it's the same thing applies for LinkedIn as well. May have a professional picture. And yeah, so those are some basic components of what your resume needs to have. Mm -hmm. It's just about clarity, being succinct and being within two pages, highlighting why you need to get that interview call from the company. Exactly. And also, like you mentioned, sometimes you might apply, you may have studied certain major in university and you may apply to do three, four different things that's not really related. So you want to change your CV. And, and exactly. So, I mean, let's say not lie, but some change, some things that you did or you might be able to do in this, for example, in this objective line for the company that you are or the job you are applying for, right? Not the same CV goes everywhere. 
Exactly. Yeah. So you have to customize it based on uh, what you're doing. So for example, you have a BA in English, but you want to be a software developer. You don't have to mention BA English in your, in your work objective. You could say that um, looking for a full-time job as a software developer, and here's my, all details about me can found on this website. And on the website, you can add stuff which shows that, you know, you've been proactive to learn. And then, and then you could say that any other achievements you have, you could mention that. So see how, based on what job you're applying for, you just have to tweak the work objective because it's all about grabbing attention. Because mm. as you, as we were talking about, we live in the digital age. Our retention span has reduced quite a bit after we got Instagram. So the point <laughs> is, how catchy can you be? And the same thing applies for LinkedIn. You really want to have a catchy tagline, mm. your headline. So one way college grads could have a headline is, again, going with the software developer example, you could say, looking for software developer full-time jobs. So that's mm -hmm. the tagline. Or you could say, looking to write code to solve complex problems. So which is catchy, right? So 90% of the people are going to have this normal tag tagline looking for opportunities, looking for software developer jobs. But if you have the catchy tagline saying, helping to write code to solve complex problems, then immediately catches the attention. It's all, a, it's all about grabbing attention, folks. Exactly. So, And it's all about once you grab the attention, then how do you make them view the rest of your rest of your uh, resume or LinkedIn profile, just like your Instagram feed. You keep scrolling, keep scrolling, keep, keep scrolling. All of a sudden you pass because there's yeah. something catchy, right? It's the exact same scenario with your LinkedIn and with your resume as well. Yeah, exactly. This is why we do, because companies get lots of, lots of uh, submitted resumes and they cannot go in detail with every one of them. Exactly. exactly. You, you have to be, let's say strategic maybe in, in this and, be careful in selecting your CVs that you submit to companies. So do you think, for example, uh, salary negotiation or asking for a salary at the beginning or an, in, in an interview is a good thing or not? I would say try to push the salary negotiation and the salary process to the, towards the end because uh, first thing is you want to gain experience through the interview process, because even if you don't get the job, at least it makes you better to attend other interviews. Uh, so I would try to keep the salary part towards the end. And in the end, when they ask you what your salary expectations are, one biggest mistake people make is they'll say, I want $50,000, right? <laughs> they'll just say one number. But the company would have already thought about giving you $80,000 and you just lowballed yourself by saying $50,000, then they would say, that's great. It worked for us. So now <laughs> you lowball yourself and then you got the job. That's why I never say the exact number. You should always tell your salary expectations and ranges. So mm. you should say, I'm expecting between 60 to $90,000. Then they would say, huh, 90,000 seems to be, you know, at the higher end. Maybe we could settle down at 75. We'll say, okay, that's fine. See how you just increase your salary from 50 to 75,000. And there are different ways to get the get these ranges. If you go to Glassdoor, Indeed, you could actually figure out for your particular job in your particular location, what is the salary ranges? And my advice would be 
So usually when you do the research, you get the lowest possible, then the medium, and then the maximum you could get. I would say start with the medium as your lowest, and then add about 10 to 20% to the maximum. So say, for example, Mm -hmm. you did the research and it said, in your job, you can get between 50 to 90,000. I would start the salary negotiation saying, I need 70 to 110K. They would say 110 is actually pretty high. We can come down to about 85. Then you say, okay, you know, I like the culture. So it's okay. Let, let's do 85. See how you actually increase your salary quite a bit. Oh, this is a great idea, actually. Following the simple strategy, folks, I've increased my salary by over 150% in my past 15 years. And my clients have increased their salary by over 400%. This is not rocket science. It's all about how you have a conversation based on data and facts. Take the emotions aside. You need to have conversation based on data and facts. And coming back to your question of when do you want to have this conversation, always have it towards the end. And if people still force you to have it up up front, you would say that, you know, uh, it would depend upon the cost of living and how thing and your and what you can offer me. But we can talk about it later. So you can always push it off, and then they won't they won't uh, pressure you. But in spite of that, if they pressure you, then you could say what your ranges are because you should always do the research even before attending an interview. So those are some things you want to keep in mind when it comes to salary negotiation process. And one thing you want to keep in mind is. People have this wrong notion that salary negotiation means one person has to lose for another person to win. No, you can come to a win-win situation because the company is spending so much time in interviewing you. The time they spend in interviewing you is the time they spend not doing their job for which they're actually paid for. So the company is losing money. So trust me on this. They don't want to keep interviewing people because it takes a lot of time. So once they find the the company, cash for the company. So once they find the ideal candidate, they really want you, okay? So they're not going to rescind the offer if they, you know, because they spend so much time. A lot of people are scared. Oh, if I ask for higher salary, they will take back the job offer. No, they spend so much time for a reason. So that is from their side. From your side, you're just trying to get to what you would feel comfortable with, right? And then both get to a middle ground and then, it could be a win-win situation. So it's that's why it's called salary negotiation. It's not called salary war, salary debate. It's called salary negotiation <laughs> because two parties are trying to negotiate and come at an agreement, right? So that is something you want to keep in mind. Awesome. I love this idea of having a range between a number and another number. I actually never thought of that. This is a great idea, actually, because sometimes when, when companies ask someone that, you put... Uh, for me, I used what I used to do is like, for example, if I have a certain salary, I would just double it. I would say I want to double. If I make a thousand, I tell them I want two thousand, two thousand, four thousand. This is what I do. But this is this could be a better strategy, actually. Yeah, because you want to research what um, salary you could get for that particular position, right? Mm-hmm. Because you cannot say, yeah, I want two hundred fifty thousand dollars when the when the salary can only be $90,000, then people think you're crazy, right? So that's not the way to negotiate. So that's why you need to have some data and facts. Exactly. And then it you can negotiate better. And also mm-hmm. from their end, they also know what the salary ranges are. They're not yeah. stupid. So exactly. they have done their research. So 
you have to do your research because this is the thing. If you don't ask for your salary, a person like me is going to come and take your salary. That's what is going to happen. And I'm not mm-hmm. cheating. I'm just fighting for what I'm worth. Say, so this is what I ask people, clients who work with me, they would be afraid to negotiate salary. Then I would say, say you're walking on the road. Will you randomly go give $20,000 to a random stranger? What's your answer for that, right? So they'll say yes or no. Of course, the answer is going to be no. Then that's what is going to happen. If you don't negotiate your salary, a person like me is going to come and say, I want this amount of money. And then whatever money that's spent for you, it's going to go for me. And that's how it is. That's how life is. Mm -hmm. So you have to take care of yourself, your family. You have to respect your craft, your work, your experience. and, And you have to talk based on that. Don't be afraid to have those conversations. Yeah, exactly. So Raj, tell us what would be one takeaway for this episode for our audience, Grid Nation. I think one biggest takeaway from all our conversations is that mindset and consistency is the key for growth. So you really have to shift your mindset to a positive frame of mind and then do work consistently. When you have those two things, then no matter what you do, where you are, you know, you are going to see opportunities. You'll meet, you will see some failures, but you will also see a lot of successes. Cool. Where can people get in touch with you, Raj? So all my life's work can be found on my website, rajsubra.com, R-A-J-S-U-B-R-A.com. Um, there you'll find my entire life history, how I help people, my writing, everything that can be found there. Also, I launched my book last December. It's called Skyrocket Your Career. I hit number five on the Amazon bestseller list and it won an award as the best nonfiction book here in the U.S. So mm, cool. um, I teach you all the strategies from applying for jobs to how to succeed at your jobs, including interview negotiation negotiation strategy interview strategies negotiation strategies and stuff like that so if you want information about that go to skyrocketyourcareerbook.com skyrocketyourcareerbook.com there people can download the first chapter for free and they can decide whether they want to buy the book but yeah and i have a lot of free resources there so those are the two ways uh you can reach me and of course i live on linkedin so make sure you follow and connect with me there so of, of course your linkedin your uh, career strategist kind of, so uh, you have to be there <laughs> right well awesome thank you raj for being with me on this episode of the success grid podcast thanks for having me man it was a pleasure